Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Hey everyone, today's Clubhouse episode with your hosts, Ashley and Kevin, is with guest Shelly Franklin. If you'll remember, she was episode number 81 where Shelly talked all about her 50 over 50 campaign. Well, this time, if you didn't know this about Shelly, she is an amazing pet photographer. So she talks all about her pet portraits, how she runs her business, how she added that genre into her business, and just all about pet photography. It's a great episode you don't want to miss. So here is Kevin, Ashley, and Shelly. Welcome, everyone, to the Portrait System Podcast Clubhouse Edition. My name is Kevin Conde, and I'm here with my co-host, Ashley Taylor. If you are not familiar with the Portrait System, we are a portrait photography podcast that is powered by Sue Bryce Education. Nikki Closter hosts our Monday episodes, and Ashley and I co-host our Clubhouse Edition, which is live here on the Clubhouse app every Friday at noon Pacific. And then our episodes are released on Thursdays. You can tune in on your favorite podcast app by searching for the portrait system. Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kevin, and I'm so excited to welcome Shelly Wolf Franklin from Air, uh, Phoenix, Arizona to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I cannot tell you how ridiculously excited Ashley and I are actually to talk to you about pets. Uh, <laughs> I am a pet parent of four. Uh, I hear oh, meows. Two of her own. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both constantly messaging each other. We have pictures of them, you know, sleeping and all that good stuff. <laughs> and um, with the pet industry being a multi-billion dollar industry, uh, we figured who better to talk to about pet photography than to talk to one of our own portrait masters, accredited fellows, who has won numerous awards for her beautiful work in the particular genre. Um, so we want to talk to you about your process of you working with animals. But before we do, uh, can you tell us a little about little bit about the animals in your life? Do you have any of your own pets? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I've always had pets. Right now, currently, I have a seven-year-old standard poodle. Oh. And um, about a six-month-old Yorkie puppy. <laughs> and a Bengal cat named Odin. Um, I don't know why I told you his name, not the other animal's name. <laughs> the favorite is now. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm just a cat person. Um, but And then we just recently lost our Doberman, mm-hmm. who I saw you used. To, I took a photo of him, which is one of the ones they used on the Portrait Masters um, ad thing today about this podcast. And I was like, oh, it's Boo Boo. His name was Blue. So, um, yeah, we just recently lost him. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry to hear about I'm that. I'm sorry, too. That is actually one of my favorite pet portraits that you've released. And I've seen it before. And I remember when you had first posted it. And I was like, what a beautiful animal. I love that image. And that's always stayed in the back of my mind. Like, oh, my God. Shelly's a fantastic pet for- photographer. I love her work. And I've continued to follow you. Because oh, thank you. Thank you so much. No problem. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started with pet photography. Is this an instance where you started taking pictures of your own pets and you're like, you know what? I really like this. Maybe I should look into doing this. Or did you pick up a camera and think this is it? I have a camera. I know for a fact that pet photography is the direction I want to go in. So that's what I'm going to learn about. Um, Strangely, it was a little bit of both. Um, Only that when I was about nine years old, I loved taking photos and my mom used to get pretty annoyed because she'd go to get film developed. And when she picked up the photos, it would be all these pictures of my cat or my dog dressed in clothing (laughs) and stuff. (laughs) She's like, when did you do this? 
But um, so I used to take pictures of my own pets as a, as a little kid um, and try to get them to do funny things wearing people clothing. Um, which is interesting as it circles around because initially I wasn't interested in pet photography. Um, I was working very hard to build a portfolio of people um, and doing stylized shoots and trying super hard to make amazing images. And the photo um, of the Doberman, I call it blue on blue, um, that was actually just a light test before a shoot uh, because I didn't have anybody there to like help me and sit so I could make sure the light was the way I wanted it. And I brought him in and sat him there and took his photo um, and then just coincidentally submitted it to one of the rounds of Portrait Masters. I think the second round kind of as a joke because I was working so hard on all these other things and I knew that picture was a great picture. So I tossed it in there and then I was completely shocked when it got a silver award. <laughs> oh, wow. That's such an amazing story and like such a reminder that you just never know what's going to be the thing that resonates with people. Like, it could just be something that, like you said, you're not quite thinking is going to be the one that gets you the silver. <laughs> right, right. And I, honestly, I was kind of annoyed when that happened because I had been working so hard on the other photos and uh, most of my other stuff didn't even reach professional standard back at that point. So it was um, kind of an awakening to me that, well, okay, if I can get a silver on this picture of my dog, um, I'm going to go start taking pictures of my other pets and... Um, let's see how those do. <laughs> so that led me to taking pictures of my daughter's hamster in a tutu and um, <laughs> just having a lot of friends uh, bringing their pets over and building a pet portfolio. And then um, the, the next round of Portrait Masters, when almost like all of these pet photos I submitted did extremely well and much, much stronger, um, seemed to be much stronger images than the images that I was doing of people at the time. Um, that's when I decided maybe the universe is trying to tell me something. It's I love that. It's fantastic that you were able to get that shot. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, blue has passed. Uh, <laughs> I have some, a similar situation of myself where, you know, I was testing lights out for a self-portrait session that I was doing during COVID. And I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll pop a few images of my own pets. And I have one where we actually was a pet parent of five. And uh, I grabbed one of them. He's easygoing. And I was like, oh, here, sit in the ottoman. I'll see light shots of you uh, before I jump in myself. And I have a, he passed, his name is Douglas. And he passed July 5th of last year. And as I'm thinking about it, like, God, do I have any pictures of him? And, you know, I started looking through everything I've done. I'm like, oh, my God, I have these sections of pet images that I take before I, and I photograph myself. And fortunately, I was able to find that image of him and then blow it up. And you know, Oh, that's awesome. I love that. We actually have blue as a huge canvas in my husband's office and I have one at the studio also. So it's just always a great reminder of him. And that's the first thing we do when we lose a pet is we start looking through the images that we have taken of them over the years. And it's just really important to have a really nice one. Yeah, that's why I think pet photography is so like emotional and as a pet parent myself, I can totally see the value. Like to me, it's I've always thought if I had the patience, because I don't, I love animals, but I don't really have the patience to <laughs> photograph them. Um, but I always thought if I did, it would just be such a killer business to me because I so value that. And I so understand that like the time we have with our pets is very limited. I think we think about that maybe more with pets than we do with people because you really like people have such a you know, wide lifespan and you don't really know how long someone's going to be in your life. So you're not kind of constantly thinking about it, but like not to be morbid. I like always right. like <laughs> very aware that like I have a limited time on earth with like this per I call my pets people, this person <laughs> who is like the love of my life. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, to me, it just seems like you know, the value statement is so there when it comes to talking about to a potential client about like, why would you value this? It's like, why wouldn't you value a giant absolutely. wall portrait of your pet? Right, absolutely. So Shelly, with the work that you've done with animals, I, I know you've done more domesticated pets, uh, dogs, cats, um, hamsters, I believe you said. Yeah. What about <laughs> other 
less, you know, inside of your home type of animals. Do you have training for any of this? Do you require it? And, uh, or for someone, do you believe as long as they have a, a, a good understanding of the animal, that would be good enough? Um, well, that is something that I talk to everybody who's bringing an animal into the studio about, um, because I have worked with, um, I wouldn't say necessarily exotic animals, but, uh, unusual animals a lot. Um, because I do have, uh, there's an animal rescue very near my studio and, um, the owner of the animal rescue is actually a teenage boy. Uh, oh, wow. and, yeah, he's, he's really amazing. He started many different businesses himself and he was time magazines kid of the year. Uh, well, he was up for that. Like last year, he was one of the runner ups. And so he has this animal rescue where he rescues animals uh, and takes care of them to the point that he has two wallabies that he was bottle feeding like around the clock, like infants oh my gosh. Um, and a porcupine that was, uh, I guess some people actually have porcupines for pets, which I would not advise, <laughs> but um, these people thought they had two girl porcupines and it turns out one was a boy and then suddenly they woke up and there was a baby porcupine. And um, they, so they didn't know. So in that instance, he rescued the baby porcupine and he bottle fed it um, around the clock for many, many months. And it, it's just really amazing his passion for the animals. And he has a ton of different ones at different times and they're all very unusual. So um, he has hired me to do headshots for him on many occasions. And whenever he comes in, we talk about what animals he currently has. And so I have been able to use a lot of the animals from his rescue to uh, help him bring attention to his rescue on his website with the photos and then also to help me um, with my pet portfolio. That's a really cool story. Are there any other like partnerships that you've made, like maybe like an equestrian, like an equestrian center or um, like a pet groomer or anything like that? I do. I have partnered with, there's actually a grooming um, salon in my uh, strip mall that I'm located in. So oh. I worked with that groomer and she's is amazing with animals and actually will sometimes be my assistant at photo shoots. Um, if I do them on the weekend. So that's a, a good perk to have. <laughs> and then um, I have done a lot of, um, well, back when we used to do a lot of events, I used to do events with several different charities, dog charities in the Valley. Um, so I did partner and sponsor some of their events um, and did that sort of thing. Oh, that's really cool. That's great advice for people who are like trying to get into pet photography and like what types of businesses or charities, like you said, that people could target? Because I would also think like a veterinarian potentially as oh, well. Yes, actually, um, there is a veterinarian in town that has their office decorated with canvases of my work. Oh, cool. And, yeah. And then um, in addition to that, there, there's uh, the dog shows, which is something that I've done a little bit of because um, we have Westworld near us, which is a big event center. And they sometimes have different, um, or not, um, they have the Arabian Horse Show that comes up in February. Um, so that would be like a great place. Um, I have not yet tapped into that, but that's a huge, great event. And they have a lot of horse and equestrian type events there as well that are on my list. <laughs> nice. Now, when you... You said you have the the groomer in your, your strip mall area. Now, did you choose that location because of that? Like, hmm, I can partner with them. Or is that just a happy accident? Um, it's a happy accident. Actually, the location she's in was the space I was looking at when I was looking to open uh, my portrait studio. Um, it's a little bit smaller, and I was uh, thinking it was the right size for me. And then just coincidentally, she ended up signing the le her lease uh, right as I started to get serious about looking into taking the space. <laughs> oh, so how funny. We kind of ended up moving in at the same time, and I got to know her. And she um, had brought her cats over for a photo shoot. And I've also photographed her dog. And then... Um, because of her clientele, like I photographed a few um, other families and their pets that go to her grooming studio. Now, you said she sometimes assists you, which I think is like a great um, opening into talking about like how you photograph pets. Do you think an assistant is required? Like what are some best practices around, you know, wrangling the pets? Because to me, this is the <laughs> hardest part of the whole thing. 
<laughs> it can be very difficult. Um, I do. Um, she definitely is a big help to me when she's here because she's used to working with animals and getting them to, to do the things that she needs them to do, to hold still, to cut their hair, that sort of thing. So she's awesome to have on hand. Um, she's kind of uh, very, uh, no, no, um, how do I say? She's very serious about her job and she does a great job of getting it done quickly where some assistants are like, oh, you know, playing with the dog and depending on the assistant, they can actually make things a little worse. Oh, um, I've had people help me where, you know, they're trying to hold a treat to get the dog to look, but they just keep putting their hand right in front of the animal's face when you're taking photos. So then as I'm going through mm. calling the images, it's like, well, these would have been great, except she kept sticking that treat down like right over the dog's face. <laughs> so it, it can be, um, it can be hard. A lot of times what I do uh, when someone hires me to photograph their pet is I talk to them about um, just the be the animal's behavior um, and how well they're trained and it, how they think they're going to do, which really isn't that great of an indication because sometimes the, the best um, trained pets just get in the studio and they don't, they're not into it. And it can be the opposite where somebody tells you their pet is crazy. This is going to be so hard. And then they're completely perfect. So you really never know what you're going to get. But it's important to uh, find out like how they interact with their pet. Because a lot of times I just use the pet owner kind of as my assistant. Mm -hmm. And I let them know, probably I'm going to put you to work. <laughs> you, you might. Um, and I had two standard poodles here last month um, where um, the the pet dad ended up doing so much work I think he was completely exhausted by the end <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> yeah he was literally walking around with these 50 pound dogs you know carrying them and plopping them into place <laughs> because they wouldn't know him still oh. Oh, that's funny image in my head um uh, oh sorry Kevin you you uh, go no worries. Uh, you had said that uh, the groomer signed the lease for the smaller space one of the things that I noticed while looking at your images I'm like there's Different tables, chairs, <laughs> suitcases, a full leather sofa, and a whole bunch of other items. Where are you keeping all this stuff? Is this are you renting stuff? Is it all live in your studio, or what's going on with just the amount of awesome pieces that you? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, actually, there are a lot of chairs and several couches usually in my studio at one time and they revolve um after I've photographed one a certain number of times then I'll usually end up picking up something else and kind of trading it out selling stuff that I used before um some of them are just my go-to like I have a it looks like a, a leather vintage couch that's button tuck but it's amazing for pets because it's super low to the ground um and it, it isn't like a shiny type of vinyl it looks like real leather in photos and it's indestructible to their claws and to their slobber and their hair um so th that i have a storage space that i share with my son and we kind oh. of rotate furniture in and out um depending on what i want because i do have some pieces that i don't want to get rid of like that couch but it's just too big to have it in the studio all the time so um, I'll bring it here like if I know I'm going to be doing a specific pet that I think is going to look amazing on it, but it's not usually here full time. I like the idea of the storage space as someone who has a small studio. That's really smart. Um, do you have like a big truck as well to like move furniture back and forth or... <laughs> Well, I used to, but we don't anymore. So that's where my son sharing the storage with him comes in handy because he has a truck. So oh, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's kind of sick of it by now. <laughs> Again, mom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, that's why we have kids, right? To help us <laughs> in our times of need. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. That's not why we have kids. <laughs> in case anyone took me seriously. <laughs> um. Yeah, but that that is helpful to be truck adjacent. I'm like in California, we just have like Priuses and like not big cars. So I'm always like, how do people do this? Like, how do people move furniture and like, yeah, all that. Our streets are smaller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is, um, so you said you, you have particular pets that you might want to shoot on part, uh, that particular sofa. Mm -hmm. How are you building out the idea of what animal goes into what? Are you like, oh, this particular pet would look good on suitcases? How are you coming up with that idea? Okay. Um, so what I do when somebody initially contacts me is I'll have them send me photos of their pet. 
Um, and I look first at the tones of their, their fur um, because I love doing, um, I usually do four setups or I plan four setups for each pet. Um, and I let, of, of course, contracts are super important with your um, pet photography clients because you want to, to spell out exactly what they're going to get for their time with you. And um, one of the things is it, it really depends on the cooperation of the pet somewhat. Like I tell them they'll get 10 to 20 images uh, and then I plan four sets um, with either different backdrops and like different props. And um, then depending upon how cooperative the pet is, we may or may not get through all four of those. Or we might end up with 10. You never know <laughs> because sometimes I can just keep going. Um, but I look at the tones of their fur. Um, I like doing tone on tone. Like I said, uh, browns look amazing with like all of the fabrics that you can get at Joann's. It's like a suede fabric. Um, they have different um, like brown tones there. So you can choose from like three or four different just browns. And Yorkies look awesome on them. I just photographed an Aussie um, and it, the fur looked really, really great on the brown tones. So um, that, that's one of the things I do. And then I look at what um, like what seamless paper they would pop up off of. Because like the one with the blue on blue, he looks amazing on that blue color. And that's part of what makes it so great. So if it's like a white pet, then I, uh, you know, if it's boy or girl, I kind of depends. I go with like with tones that match, like if they're a boy or a girl. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, um, just like a white cat would look amazing on a, a pink seamless drop. or um, And then I always do the classic black kind of chalk backdrop that I have because I think all pets really look amazing on that and I love the painterly look with pets um so that's another thing I think of is like what tones they would look best on when I'm doing my edits for the painterly look I was going to ask you too because you you kind of touched on this about the four setups and you can't really know how many shots you will get because it depends on the cooperation so how is this priced in in the sense of is it like a minimum order are they definitely having to commit to a certain amount of wall art I mean what how do you know that this is going to be worth your time and is it different price than like a normal kind of SBE glamour portrait shoot um I actually charge the same for the pet photo shoots as I do the glamour shoots even though those include professional hair and makeup and the reason that I do that is because cleaning the studio after a pet shoot and before a shoot, um, it, it's not, I mean, and it's not like anybody's pets are really super sloppy. It's just that I have this studio that has coincidentally all this velvet furniture and dog hair and velvet furniture don't go well. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a lot of work involved in cleaning up after the shoot. Um, and I've had, you know, dogs go to the bathroom on the floor and things like that. So it's just, to me, it, it all kind of averages out and it's worth um, the same amount, especially because the hustle that you have to do with the pet in here is a little bit different yeah. too. So um, I think it's worth the same. Yeah, no, I was actually saying that I think it's worth potentially more. Like it okay. sounds like more work um, because I, I'm just thinking about the, and maybe this isn't all the photos that you deliver, but the ones that I've seen on your portfolio, like they look so intensively retouched and it looks like there's compositing potentially in it mm -hmm. and they're so beautiful and you have these kind of what I would think is more elaborate sets than just like a canvas backdrop and a, and a person like a woman. So mm -hmm. to me, I was actually thinking like, it sounds like more labor to do a pet portrait. So that's why I was wondering if there's like, you know, a $2,000 minimum order and you have to get like a 16 by 20 or if there was anything like that. I, I don't currently have that in place. I'm trying to, I've switched my packages up so that, you know, you don't necessarily get the clients who are going to pay for the session fee and then end up just buying like an image or two. I'm, I have just my collections listed. Mm -hmm. And if someone starts asking about, well, what if I just wanted one photo, then that's when I direct them to like, well, were you thinking about wall art or what were you planning on? Like, you know, not a digital, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because, yeah, it's exactly the truth. Like, you want to make sure it's worth your time and their time because it's a lot of work for somebody to bring their pet in and to go through all of this. So usually once, you know, by the time they do, they're pretty committed to wanting um, something special with it. Um, but 
So my packages are all the same. Um, they start at six images, just like with my my people packages and all the pricing is the same. Okay. That's cool to know. And do you feel like you still sell more folio box or albums versus wall portrait? Or Because to me, like pets scream wall portrait. I know. They do to me too. That's one of my goals for this year is to get um, cracking on that. Um, so far, it's been more of the folio boxes. But um, I'm working towards the wall art. Um, and in doing that, I'm ordering guild canvases of the poodles I had recently um, just so that I have those to display because I haven't shown that and, you know, they say you you sell what you show. So yeah. I, need to, I need to show it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And that's such a great goal to work on. I think like, you know, it, we all have next levels to reach. And I think like, yeah, your work is so amazing. It deserves to be like, yeah, on a gorgeous canvas with like a gold ornate frame around it, huge on the wall. <laughs> like, I want that for you. <laughs> I know. I feel like everybody should have their, you know, their pet in a gold frame, like, above the fireplace. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> Talking with, uh, I have a few other pet photographer friends and I've, I've heard that wall series, just like the whole giant, like, you know, if you're in an area where you do have the wall space, obviously California, maybe not so much, but if you have the wall space, just a huge, just series of, of pet portraits uh, seem to work really well. I think that'd be amazing. Um, and then also talking about like the composite work. So you walked us through like the sets and everything. Are you kind of pre envisioning the little stories? Cause that's like what, one of the things that I really love about your work. Like I'm thinking now you had this one. I don't know if they were, I, I'm guessing they were hamsters based on the fact that you just said you photograph hamsters, but they were like <laughs> some small rodent ish type animal. They're prairie dogs. Oh, prairie, prairie dogs. dogs. <laughs> oh I can't identify. But with the little Polaroid, like it was like little pictures that were falling. Mm -hmm. I, I thought that was so like such a cute little story. But I was like, how do you like, like pre plan that idea? Or did it come to you after the fact? Or um, so that one I pre-planned, kind of. Um, I was actually planning to use the Polaroid and the Polaroid um, pictures in another photo, which is when I did of a little girl. Um, she's holding the Polaroid, and she's taking a picture of a bulldog that's sitting in a chair. Mm -hmm. And she's got a squeaker in her hand. So it, it was all planned to be, um, that was for my personal work. And it was sort of like a self-portrait looking back in time at myself. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I found a girl that um, was like the age that I was when I used to take pictures of my cat and dog. And I kind of like dressed her up in clothing that didn't feel like any certain time, just sort of like from my childhood it would have been. And then um, I took the photo wanting it to be like how I was. And put a really incredibly funny hat on the dog, which the bulldog has just this really, like, RBF face all the time. So it's perfect <laughs> because when I got her to look over at the camera instead of at the girl squeaking the squeaker. So the dog is sitting in the chair looking at me, looking just incredibly irritated with this big, huge red floppy hat with flowers on it. Um, so that was the plan for the Polaroid. But then I had the Polaroid here in the studio and so then when the prairie dogs were here, um, I actually love how r the color red photographs. So I use red a lot in my images and I have this little red chair and I was looking at the tones of the prairie dogs um, on the red chair and they kind of fit perfectly into it. So I did a bunch of pictures of them um, and then ended up like kind of the Polaroid was, was here from the other shoot. So I just grabbed that. So it was like more in the moment during the shoot that I thought of it, but it's with stuff I have around. So I do have things like sitting around here that if like the moment arises, we can do some fun stuff too, like that I didn't necessarily plan, um, but it just works. And then they were super amazing with the camera, like crawling around on it. And <laughs> so I just took a bunch of pictures of them crawling on it. I didn't really have to composite that part because, you know, they're just checking out this piece of plastic and standing up on it and looking at it. So it ended up being hilarious. And I just composited the other prairie dog at the bottom, um, like catching the, the photos. And, and then I composited the other pictures I had taken of them. So it looked like the Polaroids were actually of them. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> well, I would have thought that like each prairie dog was composited in that photo. So that's actually like mind blowing to me. It's, it's, 
you know, it <laughs> looks like, it looks so realistic, but it looks so perfect that I just couldn't like believe, like, no way. She didn't get those animals like posed like that. That's got to be a trick. <laughs> Actually, the, the prairie dog on the camera and the camera and the Polaroids were all there. I taped the Polaroids together with a piece of scotch tape so that they hung like that. And then when I edited, all I had to do was just like um, edit out the little piece of scotch tape between each image. So they were all of that part was there. And all I had to do was composite the other prairie dog at the bottom. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's so impressive. Well, there was some trickery. but a lot of like foresight you know like just um realizing like in the moment like oh I could build this and that that's like really impressive to me because I I don't know like I don't really get flustered on photo shoots anymore but sometimes it's still hard to like come up with like something creative (laughs) yeah like that level of like oh I know that if I do these you know particular steps and I lay this out this way I'm going to be able to like fix it in the end well sometimes I have that happen sometimes a stroke of genius happens but a lot of times it's like I kind of stick to my like photo shoot plan or template you know so I find that really impressive um I think it's something about that animals honestly animals just spark the creativity in me um there's like a side of me that's still like a a little kid when I'm around animals because I've just had such a love for them for so long um like when I was little I was obsessed with the pictures in like Beatrix Potter's books Oh, yeah. Um, not really the stories themselves, because they're not really that entertaining, <laughs> like the really old school kind of books. But the photos of the little tiny animals wearing clothes and doing like people things um, always like just like captured my um, creative side. And so I think I just still have that in me. And um, when I'm photographing animals, that side comes back out. <laughs> so you brought up a squeaker earlier. I mm-hmm. want to ask you what tools or uh, pieces of equipment you have on set that could potentially help you uh, during your shoot, potentially a squeaker. I know a lint roller is probably a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's after. No, um, yeah, actually, um, one of the biggest tips and the things that works really well for me is to um, take my hoodie and tie it around my waist during shoots and fill the pockets with the, their dog's treats. And I always have my clients bring their preferred treats that they know their pet likes. Um, because number one, you could have treats here that their pet doesn't end up liking at all. So there, so there's no incentive there for them to do things and be good for that treat because they don't like it. Um, but number two, because you don't really want to be giving them a whole different kind of treat that they're not used to and then end up with your client having a dog have an accident in the car on the way home or get really sick. Ooh, uh, yeah. Once they get home and you don't want to be responsible for making somebody's pet sick. So I always tell them to bring their own treats and I only feed what they bring. Um, but I'll fill my pockets of the hoodie that's tied around my waist with the treat so that I have them constantly. And then I also put um, the squeakers in there. I have different squeakers that make different sounds because after a while, um, they'll get sick of one and they'll stop looking at it and they'll stop paying attention. So then I go to one that has a different kind of a sound. Um, I usually hide the squeakers because they know when they see it um, and they hear the squeak, it doesn't surprise them. But if you hide it, and then pop it out, like, or don't even pop it out, but I'll just, like, stick it in the pocket and squeeze it, and they're trying to figure out where it's coming from, so they'll look and be very curious because they don't see what it is. Um, So that's definitely a trick that I use a lot. Um, I do ask in my consultations um, now if somebody's pet is afraid of squeakers, and some people look at me funny, but I had a little wiener dog, like, one of my very first animal photo shoots, She was an older, I think 12 years old, and I had her inside this box, and she was looking so adorable and cute, and then I squeaked my hidden squeaker, and she flew out of the box, like, she was scared to death, like, and then the girl started laughing, kind of, but she was like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you, she's so afraid of squeakers, and like, it took another, you know, five minutes to get her calmed down, because she was terrified, Um, so... (laughs) All of the dogs are different. So, yeah, um, I use squeakers, but I make sure to ask that question now. <laughs> yeah, that's but that's a really good tip for people, too, because I, I was kind of wondering, like, you mentioned using their treats. You mentioned the squeaker question. Like, what else in terms of, like, just safety or thinking about, like, yeah, just making sure that the pet has, like, a good, safe, positive experience? 
Um, what I ask, um, I'll usually find out how old they are, if they have any medical conditions or problems. Um, I have photographed a lot of older dogs um, because, you know, people are wanting to make those memories while they still can. And sometimes um, when they get really old, they'll have a problem just even being able to sit on the floor in my studio because it's like, it's like a laminate flooring mm-hmm. um, and they can't sit down, you know, they're kind of like sliding around. So I'll make sure if it's an older dog to ask all of those kind of questions so that I can have a rug to put them on. Um, sometimes it's all about texture and making them comfortable so they can get in a position that they can be photographed in. Um, my contract has a ton of safety stuff. Um, I, you know, of course it talks about obviously that I'm not going to have somebody bring like a, ask about the dog's temperament, like if they would be worried about the dog being upset or like biting and stuff like that. Um, but so contracts are really important for pet photographers just so that you have that in there and you talk about like, you know, the safety is the first thing. So if I ever ask you to, uh, or if I tell you I'm going to do something with your pet and it seems unsafe to you, I need you to tell me like immediately because the dog's, you know, the pet safety is the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been bit by uh, several animals, but not dogs. <laughs> it's always the, the crazy, like a horse the bit. Small one. Oh. A horse. Oh, wow. Bit, yeah. A horse bit my knee and it was not fun. And um, I got, I've been bit by um, like the prairie dogs. They were biters. So you just have to be really careful. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I also want to ask since Kevin and I are cat people, mm-hmm. um, how does that work? Because at least my cats are indoor cats and they do not travel well at all. Like the car is like a horrible experience for them. I mean, I've gone to the point that we pay for like a mobile vet when they need mm-hmm. a vet. So like, how do you deal with cat owners like myself who have like all these restrictions? Like, do you go to them? What can someone do if they're a cat owner and they want an amazing portrait of their pet? Um, if they are a cat owner and their cat is like yours and my cat, which I can't even take to the vet because he's like, he won't, (laughs) he gets so nervous. But, um, if they're like that, then I would suggest going to their home to do the photos. Honestly, um, most of the people who have brought cats here, their cats travel with them a lot and they're used to traveling. Um, they're used to going in the car and going to to places like, like the groomers cats. Um, she, she takes them everywhere with her. So when she brings them to the grooming salon and then I go get them and bring them over here, they're used to it. They don't think it's weird. Um, they're, they, they walk around, look around, but I did have somebody whose cat hid in the studio, which was then like, it's a problem. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, they can get into small spaces and I have like a closet behind a piece of furniture I have. And there's a lot of stuff in there. So if the cat gets in there, then you're kind of. (laughs) So it's important to have a space that you can lock off in your studio so that if you're photographing a cat, they can't get into an area where you're not going to be able to easily retrieve them. Yeah, that's a real solid point. Also, like with cats, you know, the phrase herding cats, like um, they obviously aren't dogs. They don't like necessarily take commands or give a, you know what? So how do you get them to like engage with the camera or stay? Like you said, the area has to be locked off, but even stay in the area that like is the set that you planned. It's not easy. Um, Usually what I do, and especially with cats is um, I think that the less you try to make something exact, like you, you're just, the best thing to do is to photograph them and just let them be themselves. Um, the reason I use tables and chairs and things like that so often is because if you put the cat on a table or in a chair, it's going to stay there for a second. And then you have a, you know, a few seconds, hopefully to grab a picture before they jump down. Um, mm-hmm. so it really is just patience and, in, and putting them over and over again, back onto the table or into that chair until you get to that, that few seconds you need. Cause a lot of people will say like, Oh, your photos, all oh, the pets look like they're just sitting there so perfect and peaceful. How do you get them to do that? And I'm like, I don't like, they're all over the place. That was just a half a second right there. That <laughs> capture. Split. Yeah. Split so, <laughs> so it is a lot of patience and, and having somebody to help, like, you know, pick the cat up and put it back on the table, give them stuff to look at. Um, like with the hairless cats that I photographed in the studio, um, their owner let them eat deli meat. So, (laughs) and they loved it. 
they were, uh, you know, you could put the deli meat kind of anywhere and then they'd, they'd look to that place. Like there's one, um, photo that I called ancestors and it's a hairless cat sitting in a chair looking, he's like climbing up the back of the chair, staring at a framed photo of another hairless cat that's sitting in that same chair. Um, but it's in a framed photo and that one, we literally took deli meat and hung it like off of the bottom of the frame. So the cat went crawling up there, stretching his neck out to look at the deli meat. And then I captured that photo and it looks like he's gazing at this piece of art that was up there, but it was actually the deli meat. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so you have uh, to get a little creative. Yeah. So basically you just have to find out from cat owners what their equivalent of a dog treat is like is it catnip is it deli meat is it like an actual made for cat cat treats kind of thing usually I feel like most cats aren't really like that um like incentivized by treats like (laughs) like dogs are so you have to let the cat be the cat and um you know capture as many what I'll do is just put them if you know if I'm worried I'll put them on my black backdrop because it's easy to composite on the dark drop for me so I just let them walk around and I take photos of them as they're walking around and doing things and some usually they'll jump up on a table by themselves because they're curious and they're checking things out so I just take photos of them literally being themselves um for a long period of time and then um gives me the ability to to use those in composites later to put together something more creative that's funny. I'm sitting here thinking about my own pets. I'm like, okay, I could do that with this particular cat. He's super inquisitive. He wants to find <laughs> Like, I will set up a scene and just instantly, oh, what's going on up here? What's going on up here? Right, and, right. And then I have another one who's pretty, he's a, my main cat, he's a jerk. Um, <laughs> it's like the moment, like I said, I set up a scene. And the moment I plop him down thinking, okay, I just need to get out of the way. I'm just going to pop this shot. Nope. The second I set his butt down onto the table, it's like off. <laughs> okay. I pick him back up, set him back down. Fingers <laughs> off of him. Off. Like, I want a cute picture of you. Sit down. <laughs> if somebody's cat is really crazy like that, um, I'll, I'll do the photographs of them just kind of walking around and get as many as I can of them just sitting there or whatever. And then I'll have the pet's parent hold on to them in that same setting in a way that I can take the top half of their body and composite it onto a different bottom half. So it looks oh, like they're sitting smart. there. Yeah, it makes it easier um, if you plan kind of what you need for composites. Um, That's one thing I do a lot. And I'll have them hold like the top of the cat and then the bottom of the cat, that sort of thing. (laughs) Set that up on a tripod so it doesn't move and everything lines up correctly? Or are you doing that freehand? I do it freehanded. Oh, wow. Like the chicken picture with the three kids I did. Um, that one was kind of a nightmare because that set, those kids never met each other and they weren't in the studio at the same time. So, um, it, it was put together to look like it's three siblings around a table with a chicken in a pan. Um, and the chicken was here on a different day than all of the kids, but in between I was doing photo shoots. So I would have to take the set down and uh, (laughs) put it back (laughs) up. So they they were taken over like a six week period of time. So oh, that wow. was a really tricky one because I was hand-holding the camera. So then, you know, the, you have to make sure that you're looking at it from the exact same angle and everything's in the same place. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds stressful right there, just <laughs> listening to it. It was that, fun. <laughs> that chicken photo shoot, I think I saw one of your posts as I was looking up information. I was like, you lay down seamless backdrop paper on the floor. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a really bad idea. <laughs> what, they're bringing in the chickens or setting down a seamless? Um, the seamless was a great idea. It seemed like a way better idea than it was because I, I, I grew up on a farm in Iowa. I know chickens poop, right? Like I knew there was going to be chicken poop. So let's put down the seamless and everything will be fine. I had no idea that when you get like 12 chickens and ducks in one place, <laughs> how fast the poop like happens <laughs> it happens I mean, really fast <laughs> uh, at the very least it wasn't on the laminate you know 
it was, I swear, for like eight months, I was cleaning feathers out of the studio that I would find in like the most random places. There'd just be like a, a feather someplace. <laughs> oh, like, oh, oh, good. At least, at least that line didn't, oh, I was finding chicken poop everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's funny. Um, I wanted to talk about your editing a little bit as well. Your images, like you mentioned, you have such a painterly look and it's so beautiful. Are there any like specific techniques like sharpening or, you know, maybe like bringing up the highlights and bringing down the exposure? Any specific tips like that that you're doing in editing to create this very cohesive painterly look across all your work? Um, well, I did take, um, Richard Wood's, um, creative, um, portrait. I think the painterly, I have all these classes, so I'm trying to think which one it was I learned it in. The painterly portraits where, um, he talks about like his process and I took certain things from his process and implemented them into mine. Um, I also use, um, overlays a lot, uh, like like, textures. Yes. I have uh, certain textures. There's only, I have four different textures I use all the time. Um, and they're pretty much the same thing, just like different color tone variations. So like depending on what the original image looks like and what I want to add to it, like I'll pick the color tone kind of that I want. Um, I use those and a lot of dodging and burning um, and alien skin or exposure X, I guess it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's awesome. And then speaking of like the painterly portraits, I was wondering about this, like, when you're lighting, you know, because you do get this painterly light, but then I was thinking, can you get Rembrandt light like on a pet? Probably not like a perfect <laughs> triangle or whatever on the cheek. So <laughs> do you have any like lighting setups that are your favorite for creating that like, kind of painterly directional light look but maybe you can't look for it the same way you would look for um the cues to get good Rembrandt light on a person yeah um so when I do the painterly uh photos and I really want them to be painterly with the pets I do a setup which is um I have uh pro photos and I do one with like a beauty dish I think it's um I'm trying to think of the name of the modifier it's um like the Joel Grimes like traveling one, you know what I'm talking about? I don't even have it sitting here to look at. But so I use that um, like kind of off camera left and pointing down at them so that, um, and then I have a fill, a big, huge umbrella for a soft fill light um, that I'll just pop a little bit in there because um, yeah, that's. (laughs) So it is kind of like the same placement as the Rembrandt lighting. You're just not really looking for like a triangle. triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It is hard because noses, and that's another thing I did mean to mention dogs with very long noses, um, or even not even that long, just medium noses. It can cause a problem. Um, when you're shooting, your focus can tend to fall like on the like end of the nose and then their eyes won't be sharp. Or if you're on their eyes and their eyes are sharp, then the nose can be slightly out of focus. So um, what I always try to do if the dog has like a medium to a long nose um, is I always use an aperture of over five um, just so that your chances that the eyes and nose are both going to be in focus are higher. And I also um, will photograph just like their face, um, their nose. I'll have their owner hold them or even sometimes and I'll just photograph their nose from the front and then from each side on each backdrop just in case like for some reason like a a nose in an amazing photo or the eyes if something's slightly not right I have um tack sharp noses or eyes that I can pull from oh wow that's a really good tip yeah (laughs) <laughs> it comes in handy. Otherwise, you know, sometimes if you have this most amazing image and then something's just a little off, it's good to have a backup. And I've gotten like really fast at compositing noses. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I love gonna, that. I was going to ask you, what type of lighting are you using? Are you using natural light? Are you using constant light, a strobe? Um, I use strobes and natural light usually in all of my shoots. 
So um, I don't have any constants, although that is good to have for pet photographers because sometimes the um, animals can get kind of afraid from the strobes. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I was I was going to try to ask because I would assume just, you know, if a larger modifier, you just pop, pop, pop right. of light, you know, depending on the pet, it could be, you know, scary for them. Yeah, it can be. I haven't really had too much of a problem with that. Um, there was one animal that was really afraid of the strobes, and it was a um, a pot-bellied pig. Um, and I was at the people's house doing her photos, and every time the flash went off, she was, like, super freaked out. So we ended up taking her outside, and I just did natural light. <laughs> Well, that makes sense. <laughs> Make them a little yeah. bit more comfortable. I yeah, but on. yeah, maybe having like a little constant light kit is like a good tip for um, people if who want to do cross, pets yeah. and like on location and stuff. Because you can't, I, I would assume you can't rely on like uh, the interior of someone's house having the kind of light that you right. want to work with. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I haven't, I guess I need to play more with, I do have a constant light. I just haven't, um, I haven't really used it that much. I suppose if somebody told me, like I talked to people ahead of time to find out and if they thought it was going to be an issue for sure, I'd have it out. It's always good to have like many plans. So so when something goes a little sideways, you have this to pull from or that or yeah. (laughs) And with big animals like horses, I assume you're always kind of going on location for that. Yeah. When you do that, do you bring, like, a backdrop with you, or do you just work with, like, the kind of cool environment of um, the, like, equestrian stables? Um, most of the shoots I've already done, I've done with the environment. I am planning on bringing a black a backdrop um, to a stable in the very near future. So then, um, honestly, I, I love how the actual portrait portraits look of horses where they are on a backdrop I think it's amazing I haven't yet done it so I'm super excited to try it out with my lighting that's exciting I can't wait to see those so with the obviously the patients of every animal is different but have you noticed a specific time frame where you realize yeah this is probably the 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 time limit that an animal is able to be in front of the camera I know many of us get tired of (laughs) <laughs> you constantly hear yeah four or five hour shoot time is too long oh my gosh time. yeah no <laughs> um yeah you really want to get if things aren't going well with a scenario or something that you're trying you kind of just want to move on to the next thing because if you keep trying for that perfect shot um you might end up wearing out the the pet before you even get the chance to get something perfect so that's what i mean i'd suggest always just if it's you know, if you're working at it too hard and it's not working out, just move on to the next thing um, and come back to that maybe at the end or something. Because I try to keep my shoots for p- um, pets like an hour to 90 minutes max. Mm. Oh, OK. So and there's obviously no hair and makeup time unless what? Maybe the pet. Does the pet owner ever get their hair and makeup done to get in? The uh, yes, actually, I had the girl who uh, someone flew here from New York for me to photograph standard poodles and she actually did hair and makeup which was fine because while she was getting hair and makeup then I was photographing the pets by themselves um and sometimes that's a good thing because pet parents are um it's sort of the same kind of um you know when you're photographing a toddler and the parents are there and sometimes you're like if the parents weren't here this would be going so much better (laughs) um sometimes with pets it's the same because they literally manipulate their owners in the same way it's funny Um, and so (laughs) it's true. And if they're being extremely bad during the shoot, I'll just be like, okay, sit down here and talk to me. We're not here, uh, because of this pet anymore. We're just going to chat. Like you're here. You're my friend. We're having coffee. Totally ignore your dog. Don't even look at them. Let's just sit here and talk. And nine times out of 10, the dog will go over and actually do what we've been trying to get it to do. Because it's like, wait, why did you stop paying attention to me? Like, I want to get your attention again. It's really bizarre. <laughs> oh, that's funny. The dog just goes over. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I just sit there ready. <laughs> it reminds me of like I used to watch Caesar Milan's show a lot, and <laughs> he would always talk about how it was like he was really training the owner more than the the dog. So it's just really interesting about like 
people's energy and their own relationships with their animals. And that can be like a hindrance or helpful depending on the situation. It can be. And sometimes I will ask them to just go, Hey, can you just go into the lobby for a few minutes? Um, because the pet is being distracted by them or, you know, kind of not behaving because of them. And I think they somehow know when they want really badly for their dog to behave perfectly, um, then the dog doesn't. Um, and sometimes people want it so bad they interfere too much with the shoot and it starts being a real distraction. Like, um, I've noticed they always tend to stand to the side, not anywhere near me, you know, eight feet away, and they keep calling to their dog. (laughs) Not realizing that it's not helping, but it's actually keeping the dog from engaging with me and with the camera. So I have to gently remind people um, sometimes, many times, um, because it's just their habits, keep saying their dog's name and trying to get their dog to do something cute. Um, So if somebody keeps doing that, I do ask them to stand like right above me or behind me so that when the, the pet is looking at them, it looks like they're looking at the camera. That's a huge tip. Yeah, I was I was wondering, I was all like, what happens when you have a pet parent who's like, you know, Fido, look over here. No, 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 over here. And then, you know, just waving arms. It's like, yeah, down, <laughs> yeah, it happens healthy. a lot. And, you know, they have the best intentions and they're trying really hard to make sure the photo shoot goes well, but they don't realize they're actually doing the opposite. Um, well, we are getting toward the end of the conversation, but I know we want to ask you a few last questions. So one for me is like, if you were to give someone who was just starting out with pets, like just the number one bottom line takeaway advice, what would it be to get started in pet photography? Well, um, I think I mostly use a 50 millimeter lens all of the time with pets. In studio, I mean, I guess like when I go on location, I use a different different lenses. But in studio, a fifty millimeter is perfect. Um, so that would be my go to tool. And then um, I would say just keep it simple. Um, like lighting with one big light is better than like trying to do too many crazy light setups and wearing the pet's patience thin. So mm-hmm. initially, I would just like keep it simple. Um, you know, not too many props, not too much craziness. Um, and then as you build and you start realizing like what works and what, what doesn't, you can adjust accordingly. So aside from the like lens type, are there anything like you feel you should start off with like, Oh, you know, I I need the, or you just said earlier that no squeakers, (laughs) (laughs) I get scared, but are there like, you know, feathers or something that you feel Someone starting out, this is the, you know, two, three things that really are going to help you get the attention of the animal and getting started. I mean, definitely squeakers, as long as you confirm that they're not afraid of squeakers. Um, Things like, um, this is funny, but for small dogs, I really find like um, newborn props helpful. I'm not really into props and I try to use them minimally, but with dogs, again, it's that whole keeping them holding still for a second. So um, newborn props come in handy, like the little beds or um, boxes, something you can put them in so that they don't jump away or jump out immediately um, (laughs) is good to have. Um, I guess I would say you don't really need, that's the the cool thing about the pet photographer. You don't need a ton of stuff because it's really all about the pet, right? So um, as long as you have a backdrop and you have, Uh, something like any platform type stuff works great, like a table, an old trunk, uh, like you said, a vintage suitcase, whatever, something you can put them on that will just keep them there for a second. Um, And then even um, another thing that's good, if you you don't have a squeaker handy and you want to photograph a dog, I love um, just sitting back up against a door. And then like when they're not expecting it and they're not paying attention, I'll knock on the door and the dog is like, like look up like you know someone's knocking oh. on the door so it's it's kind of you don't really need that much <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> you get the, yeah. ear, the ear perks i'm assuming there yeah and de- oh yeah <laughs> i do always ask people about their head tilt words that's oh. another thing that's part of our consultation um when i do have them also come to the studio before their shoot um so that the dog can walk around, smell the place, and they remember it when they come back, I think. But I ask all of their head tilt words and remember those and use them. Oh, that is fantastic advice. Well, 
Thank you very much, Shelly. It has been an absolute pleasure getting to talk to you and to find out all these tips and tricks and helping with the animals. Um, we have come towards the end. And before we let you go, if you can go ahead and share with us your social media locations, platforms where people can find you. Oh, okay. Um, I am on Instagram under Franklin Photography AZ and also Franklin Photography Pets. And then I'm on Facebook at Franklin Photography AZ. Awesome. Well, everyone, please, please, please be sure to go follow Shelly and make sure to follow the portrait system on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Uh, be sure to check out our blog posts that are associated with our clubhouse interviews at suebriceeducation.com forward slash blog. You can also follow Ashley on Instagram at Ashley Taylor Portrait. That is A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H. And you can find me there as poplight underscore photography. If you are a member of Sue Bryce Education and you have more questions for Shelly, Ashley, or myself, go tag us in a post in the SBE Members Only Facebook group. And if you are not a member of Sue Bryce Education and you are interested in learning more about how it can help your business succeed, contact Ella in our support team by emailing support at suebriceeducation.com. Thank you again for joining us and hope you can join us next week. Thanks again for listening today. And don't forget, you can listen to either me or our special guests every Friday on Clubhouse at 11 a.m. Pacific. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's suebriceeducation.com.